Welcome to Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm Jill. Today is the eighth day of December. Welcome, everybody. So good to be here with you. What a joy and a complete honor, privilege to be reading the Word of God for us together with all of you and individually, of course, collectively, and in this beautiful community. We are continuing in the book of Romans today, reading chapters four through seven, and this week we're reading the Christian Standard Bible, Romans chapter four. What then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. Likewise, David also speaks of the blessing of the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the person the Lord will never charge with sin. Is this blessing only for the circumcised then? Or is it also for the uncircumcised? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham for righteousness. In what way then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? It was not while he was circumcised, but uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while still uncircumcised. This was to make him the father of all who believe but are not circumcised, so that righteousness may be credited to them also. And he became the father of the circumcised, who are not only circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith our father Abraham had, while he was uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he would inherit the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. If those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made empty, and the promise nullified, because the law produces wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. This is why the promise is by faith, so that it may be according to grace, to guarantee it to all the descendants, not only to the one who is of the law, but also to the one who is of Abraham's faith. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, the one who gives life to the dead and calls things into existence that do not exist. He believed, hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations According to what had been spoken, so will your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body to be already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to do. Therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. Now it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. 
It will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, God died for the ungodly, For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more? Having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if by the one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation, but from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. If by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass, There is condemnation for everyone. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even more so that Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over, and having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. So what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of? The outcome of those things is death. But now, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit, which results in sanctification, and the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since I am speaking to those who know the law, Brothers and sisters, don't you know that the law rules over someone as long as he lives? For example, a married woman is legally bound to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law regarding the husband. So then, if she is married to another man while her husband is living, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. Then, if she is married to another man, she is not an adulteress. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in relation to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You belong to him who was raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions aroused through the law were working in us to bear fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the old letter of the law. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. 
For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. But sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave under sin. For I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So I discovered this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self I delight in God's law, but I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. I am going to need my husband <laughs> to try to pull this apart. This is a bit of a head spin to try to pull all of this apart. And since this is chronological and we're reading it in chronological order, if you have the God of your story, there are beautiful breakdowns of nearly every chapter that we just read and they are really worthwhile explanations of what we just took on. And yes, what we just read and digested and took in, it's a lot. And this is where <laughs> a lot of debate comes in and theological doctrinal differences. And even though um, the book of Romans in itself is very complex, some of these messages can be very simple at the core too. I know a lot of people completely disregard the Old Testament because we do not live under old law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, but if we're not careful with that wording, I hear people say Jesus came to abolish the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. And one of the points that Paul is trying to make is it was not the law alone. It was actually faith and going back to the very beginning at the beginning of the reading to abraham it was not 
his obedience to the law that brought him through it was his faith in God. And then maybe to carry that just a little bit further, the intention of the law wasn't to show how right people were getting it, but rather how wrong people were getting it as they brought sacrifices of their sins to consider the weight, to consider the cost. Maybe, maybe we won't do that next time if we have to burn the fat of a calf after we have slaughtered it just real quick-like. So I think what I'm gathering is the essential message that Paul just laid out, that while his grace is sufficient for us, should we just keep on sinning so God can just show off his endless, matchless supply of grace? And Paul answers that, absolutely not. And I think it's such a great question to ask And it's such a great question to answer at the same time. The point being, if we are new creations, it should cause us to walk into something new and leave the old behind. Leave old patterns behind. Leave old habits behind. Leave our pride behind. And something I am learning in counseling is to find gratitude and everything. Look for the place of gratitude. What are you grateful for in this moment? I believe without gratitude of the mercy of God, without sitting with the weight of the cost of the price that Jesus paid so that we may be free men and free women, then we may just become entitled men and entitled women walking around with an air of demand and expectation thinking we can go on doing anything we want to because we're free from the law and under God's grace and Paul's answer to that is while you are not a slave to the law you are a slave to anything you are giving yourself to that is outside the obedient leading to righteousness. I guess what I've learned is if I'm not seeking righteousness, then what in the world, literally, am I seeking? What am I chasing after? What am I thirsting for? And I got to be real honest, this year I have had to have the painful realization of all of the empty wells that I have tried to draw from to fill myself, to feel enough, some days to feel adequate, some days to feel loved, accepted, and some days to be seen. And it's a real hard thing when someone points that out to you and it's as simple as instant pudding, but you totally missed it. And it feels like wasted time and it feels heavy considering the wreckage, the aftermath. And so I am grateful today for these words from Paul that correct us and encourage us. And I am also extremely grateful for the grace of God that lets us simply begin again any time we need to start over 
I think the point of a do-over is to do it over, but to do it differently than we've done it once we catch the errors in our way. So Jesus, we are so grateful for these words today. We're so grateful for the insurmountable grace that we can't fathom. But what I do pray, God, is that we would not take advantage of such a great gift, that we would consider the cost, the act, the suffering, the price of that gift given so freely, and that it might cause us to step out of the old and walk into the newness that is you, seeking righteousness, and that we would stop thirsting for things that cannot quench what only you can. So I pray that we would stop and realize the sources that we are chasing our identity, our fulfillment, our filling, and we would run nowhere else except for into the loving, strong arms of God Almighty. And I pray this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Daily Audio Bible, that's home base. Take a look around and check it out if if you haven't. That's also the free app. And speaking of the app, if you would like to be a part of the exciting improvements in technology going forward here at the Daily Audio Bible, you can take part in the Christmas Vinyl Initiative, $25 a piece. And there are five records, vinyl records to choose from. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but uh, this is for a limited time, and it is while supplies last. You can find that on the Daily Audio Bible app in the store. If you would like to partner with us, we thank you so much for your partnership. We could not do this without you. If you're giving by mail, DAB PO Box 1996 Spring Hill, Tennessee 37174 or once again, utilizing your mobile device or your technology or your app or whatever, hit the give icon located up at the top right hand corner. Lastly, look for the give icon on the website. There is still time for you to call in and be a part of the Daily Audio Bible Virtual Community Christmas. That's a lot of words. You can call the main number or you can go to the website and hit record on that red circle button up at the top right hand corner. These things will come to an end, so if you're waiting, the time is now to jump in. I'm going to jump out. That's going to do it for me today. I'm Jill. We will turn the page together tomorrow, and I look forward to it. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be here together with all of you. It's truly a pleasure, an honor, and a joy. I'm Jill. Until tomorrow, love one another. Good morning, DAB Chronological Family. This is Mark from the United Kingdom. I'm just doing a praise report. Early in the year, I contacted the DAB and gave details of a friend and his wife who was um, a long-time minister who recently retired with his wife who had been uh, active in Christian ministry. And on retirement, 
his wife had given, been given a 20% chance with pan pancreatic cancer. And I'd just like to give those that are suffering with the health an uplift and praise to the Lord God Almighty. Because when I spoke to them recently, she'd had to undergo radiotherapy and chemotherapy and added complications. But with the prayers from around the world, prayers from family, prayers from friends and prayers from their uh, church friends, the good Lord has, has seen that uh, she's been able to recover and when I last spoke to them she was clear of the cancer. So we can give thanks to the good Lord because he knows that uh, we know that he looks after his sheep irrespective of where we are what we're doing whether we've gone astray he's still there for us and he walks with us each and every day so all those suffering from health and health issues you know keep praying keep praying to the Lord and have faith that he will deliver you and we know that he walks with us every day and he, he, uh, the good Lord takes us to his breast. So we give thanks for the DAB and Chronological family. Thank you. Hello, beautiful Dabsy listeners. This is Asia calling from the City of Angels. And I just wanted to throw a prayer up, especially in this season when it, the spirit feels so strong. Lord God, I want to come before you, Father, and lift up our sister, Emmy. And our sister, Emmy, has a very young daughter who has a heart that has a small hole that needs to seal up so she doesn't need surgery. And we pray, Father God, that you lay your hand on this beautiful, beautiful infant's heart, a child of um, created in your image, Lord God, and that you would heal her heart, Father God, that she wouldn't need surgery, Lord. We pray and ask and intercede this blessing, Father God, and this prayer, Father God, for this little girl. And we also pray for Emmy and her husband, Lord. We pray that her husband will have uh, a change of heart, Lord God, that you will open his eyes, give him eyes to see and ears to hear, put him around godly men that can encourage him in the way of to be a man of God and to love his, his wife and that he could pick up Emmy when he gets home from work and, and, and lavish her with hugs and kisses as she deserves, making her feel like the beautiful, wonderful wife that we're sure that she is. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And Emmy, I also want to add that I heard a really wonderful podcast, a, a biblical counselor talking about a similar situation. And he encouraged the woman to speak her husband's love language, whatever that was, for six months and see if there was any change. If that speaks into your heart, let it live. Love and blessings to you and encouragement. I'm not a married woman, but I can imagine how hard marriage is. And, and the way this woman, um, even though she was ready to leave, that she just gave it this one last shot. And it, you know, it took a while to have an effect, but her husband had an incredible turnaround. And I pray that will happen for you too. Amen. Hello everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to call in this morning. The Lord is good and his mercies endure it forever. My name is Lovelyn and I'm calling from France and I'm calling in to reach out for a mother. She says she has two boys. I forgot your name, I'm always too forgetful about names. She says she has two boys. Uh, the second one is Victor 
that uh, he's finding it difficult, difficult to get a job and uh, he can't drive but he can ride his bicycle and all that. Uh, sister, I want you to know that I reach out to you and I'm praying for Victor. For this God that saw ability in every disability, he will come through for Victor in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we speak favor, that favor that passes every understanding upon the life of favor, of, upon the life of Victor, that he will find favor. And very soon, very soon, O oh Lord, they will call him for that desired job he always wished for in the name of Jesus. His disability will not be a barrier in his life because there is a purpose. The book of Jeremiah 29 verse 3, 33 verse 3, it said, before you us in our womb, in our mother's womb, you know us. So you know Victor, you know that he's coming out this way and you have prepared a table before him in presence of his enemy with decree that favor of jobs will locate him in the name of Jesus and the calling for, mother, for her daughter that uh, is suffering from anxiety, behavior problem, Lord, we still reach out for her. We use her as a point of contact, reaching, for, reaching out for every mother, every mother that has a challenged children we're standing in for you and God will show you mercy and very soon God we pray to grant you the strength you need to carry on on this blessing he has given to you in Jesus name sisters I love you all I love you and I love you in the name